The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you've joined us, and thank you so much for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and thank you for your comments, and also thank you for your emails and for letting me know what's happening for you and your recovery journey and your spiritual growth. I really appreciate you participating here in the Spirit of Recovery community. It's great to hear from you and great to know that what we're doing is making a difference in your life. And uh, I also am very grateful that you're letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here um, on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on unityonlineradio.org. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me hear from you. And thanks for letting me know that my guests are touching your heart and really opening up some doors and some ideas, some thoughts and some energy, some consciousness um, in your recovery. It's just, it's great to hear that. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people and they're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen via your computer. You can listen via your smart device. You can uh, go to Stitcher.com and download their app. And um, you can listen live or you can listen to archives. We've got... Um, several years worth of great archives so you can listen on demand. Just go to www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery. I want you to know also that if you would like to financially support this great radio station, unityonlineradio.org helps to support Spirit of Recovery and the many other great programs that are here on Unity Online Radio. You can do that. You can make a financial contribution, a one-time contribution, or an ongoing contribution very easily. Simply use your smartphone and text Unity Radio to 72727. And your uh, contributions do make a difference. This is a nonprofit uh, radio station, and your giving helps if you should be so guided to do that. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you are a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, perhaps your loved one is or is not in their own recovery, perhaps you are 
or are not in your recovery as a family member or friend or whatever. It's great. We're glad you're here. Maybe you're just curious about the process of recovery and you're just looking for more information. We're happy that you're here and we uh, welcome you to participate in our discussions. All of people are welcome to call in or email in with a comment or question for my guest uh, in their, on their topic of the day, and we'll be happy to respond on the air to that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and also an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 34 years ago, those relationships were catalysts that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that transforms my life and it keeps me growing all the time, and I am so grateful. So I am delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you about spirituality, about recovery, about spiritual principle, and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, as every week, we have a great program. Our topic today is the power of spirituality. And, you know, spiritual development really is the power that propels recovery. My guest today is Pat McGuire. Pat is a professional in the recovery field. She's been engaged um, professionally since 1970, and she has just done all kinds of things. It's going to be great to hear all that Pat has to share with us. And the most important thing, though, all the things that she's done and that we'll be hearing from her, the most important thing uh, about Pat is that all the work that she does with recovering people is grounded in a deep awareness of spirituality. And she's going to be sharing with us today why and how spirituality is key to the recovery process and why it's key to the maintenance of long-term sobriety. Pat has worked um, nationally and internationally to train counselors and to develop programs for addiction treatment. And that has included programs that deal with co-occurring disorders, and that means um, substance uh, disorders as well as mental health disorders. She has worked with uh, eating disorders, with sexuality issues, with family systems and family dysfunction. And she's a pioneer in addressing women's addiction issues. Pat got her training as an addiction recovery professional at Hazelden in Minnesota in the 1970s. And... Um, Again, she worked uh, also with Hazelden over the years as well as many other things. But one thing she did uh, with Hazelden was to travel over to Europe, especially to Ireland, and work with them in setting up recovery programs. So she'll have a lot to share with us about that. Pat's also an author under the Hazelden Publishing Imprint, and she has developed numerous lectures and tools for treatment professionals to work with effectively challenging clients. So she has both given a lot of direct service to clients as well as done a lot of work on developing programs and training other professionals. Currently, uh, Pat is developing a new therapeutic model that combines focused reading and individual therapy with spirituality and the maintenance of long-term sobriety. And she's uh, working with some recovering men in the Twin Cities area exploring issues around men's spirituality in recovery. So, Pat, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. I'm so glad you're here today. Well, I'm glad, too. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm just, just delighted um, that you're my guest today. So, Pat, you have, uh, again, you have seen so much. You've been working in this field since the 70s. You have really uh, covered, too, a lot of those important issues that are, are beyond um sobriety that a lot of the issues that go along with the recovery process what could you say in a nutshell maybe is uh different today about recovery about the treatment process um than was when you first started in the early 70s oh uh quite a bit i think i think there was such a terrible stigma on alcoholism that and there still is, I think, for some people, but the uh, recovery uh, treatment programs that are 12-step based uh, have, have encouraged a lot of people to open their minds to the notion of uh, getting involved in a support group, a 12-step support group, 
with other people who are have had the same experiences and maybe different experiences, but but they are working toward the same goal, which is not only to be sober and to to, to deal with the addiction, but to grow up. <laughs> it's there's a there's a very well known in the in the professional field uh, notion about ego development, and there was one of the early pioneers in developing systems for treatments. There was a, a man who wrote uh, uh, a description of King Baby, mm-hmm. which is identifying the little ego that wants what it wants when it wants it right now. Mm-hmm. And um, many people who come into the treatment program or who go through the assessment process even can really identify that. And I think part of the initial process of coming to terms with addiction is the awareness that people have of how desperately they want relief from being themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Talk some more about that. And uh, what is it? Why do people want that relief? What's the desperation? Well, the desperation is, is a, what most people know as craving. And the part, the importance of spirituality in dealing with this is to recognize that craving satisfied by alcohol or drugs is really a habit. And the craving will be there when the drugs and the alcohol are gone, but it's a spiritual longing in disguise. And it, it makes people who are caught in that net it makes them feel that they cannot live without the relief they get from the substance that they've been addic- become addicted to. Mm-hmm. And so- the initial process is to meet people who can help them to understand the nature of the addiction, the disease of addiction which is a physiological process that has come about by repetitive use over a long period of time. I am myself in recovery, and what I know now is things that used to feel dreadful to me are just little reminders that I need something, and it's not a drug, and it's not a substance. It might be a walk outdoors or listening to a symphony or talking with a friend. All of these other things are not poor substitutes. The drug and the alcohol were the poor substitutes for the spirit. And when I say spirit, I'm not talking about God or the Holy Spirit or ghosts, or any of that, what I'm talking about is that being alive and being optimistic. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate in the beginning of my recovery recovery to um, have a, a sponsor or mentor, and I think of it as mentor more than sponsor, um, and this woman, whose name was Lorraine, introduced me to a little booklet called The Daily Word. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have been reading it every single day for 44 years. Wow. And I needed intensive work on changing my own thinking about myself, my surroundings, my environment, and the things that happened in my life. And I was, I was raised in a religious family, but 
I no longer limit myself to what I learned as a child. I haven't given it up, but I don't limit myself to that. And part of what I understood in the beginning of my recovery was help that I got from someone who could recognize that I'd had three hospitalizations for depression before I even started to use those substances. Mm -hmm. And for me, the beginning was to know another person who had recovered, who could see, I thought he could see right through me. (laughs) I don't think he did exactly see through me. But from, from what I told him about myself, he understood that I had had all the psychotherapy that I needed and more. And he introduced me to bibliotherapy by giving me a book by a psychiatrist whose name was Glasser. Mm -hmm. And William Glasser Mm -hmm. believed that mental health is not something that is incurable or incurable. It's just, uh, it's sort of like it's an accumulation of experiences that we have not been able to take responsibility for. And reality therapy teaches. It doesn't therapize. It teaches and it taught me to look at my behavior, my thinking, my attitudes, and discover how I was keeping myself miserable. And as long as I was using the substance, I couldn't see any of that. I was blind to it. But once I understood, number one, It wasn't working. And number two, it wasn't my fault. And number three, it wasn't anybody else's fault either. It was just an interior battle. Eventually, I came to realize it was a battle between my spirit and my ego. And the whole recovery process is all about nurturing the spirit and taming the ego. Wow. How do you do that? There are steps. (laughs) First of all, you have to become aware of how you have helped your life to be miserable and how how you can be paralyzed and inactive. I think for, for me... One of the reasons that I got well was because I had I had notions about alcoholics that were very very distorted. There was there, there used to be a movie called The Days of Wine and Roses and mm-hmm. it was made way back in the 70s and it was about a couple who were both alcoholics. And during the course of that movie one of the things that was shown was a meeting, an AA meeting, and it was a picture of uh, something like a storefront, uh, a glass, big glass window that was grimy and, and dirty, and there was a group of people, and they were sitting in a circle, and they were they were all kind of like old Skid Row mums, <laughs> and one old bag lady sitting in the background. Mm-hmm. apart from the rest of them. And that wasn't a picture I had of the recovery community. It is extremely outdated, mm-hmm. extremely so. Mm-hmm. And when I actually took the risk of checking out for myself, I discovered that I had at my disposal free a wonderful 
spiritual community that didn't make me learn catechism questions or make donations or tell my story, nothing. There was no force. There was no manipulation. It was just a group of people who understood me and who would respect me. And that was the most surprising thing of all. On that note, on that note, it's time for our first break. And that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll talk about some more about respect when we come back. Our topic today is the power of spirituality. And my guest is Pat McGuire. Pat um, has been involved as a professional in the uh, treatment field since 1970. She's done so much work nationally and internationally, both direct service and with training other professionals. You can learn more about her work at www.treatmentandrecoverysystems.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts, and my mind continually receives messages from my body, especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. 
And our topic today is the power of spirituality. We're talking about uh, how, how it is that spiritual development is the power that propels recovery and how essential it is to uh, the maintenance of long-term sobriety. My guest today is Pat McGuire. Pat is a professional in the recovery field. She's been working in the field since 1970, and she has worked internationally and nationally, both giving direct service as well as um, training other professionals. Pat got her initial training as a professional at Hazelden in Minnesota in the 1970s, and she has worked extensively with a variety of issues that are part of the recovery process. You can learn more about her work at www.treatmentandrecoverysystems.com. Before I get back to my discussion with Pat, I invite you to join me for a brief moment of meditation, a brief moment of quiet, making that conscious contact with your higher power in our serenity minute. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of that presence of your higher power within you and all around you, to feel relaxation as it moves through your body temple. Let your heart open, let your mind open, and share with me this constructive idea. I open my heart to my higher power and let love create good through me. I open my heart to my higher power and let love create good through me. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me in the serenity minute i trust that this was a wonderful opportunity for you to make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it and now i'm back to my conversation with pat mcguire we're talking about the power of spirituality so pat before the break you were uh, sharing with us about how important it was for you as a person in recovery when you went into a recovery group and to uh, find a real contrast maybe with religion and spirituality, you walked into the group and you found that people respected you. Um, share with us what that's like and how religion is different than spirituality. Well, um, you know, I, I think I'll go into kind of a storytelling mode here. Right. Um, before you you and I began our conversation, I, I sat, I was waiting and kind of watching the clock so I wouldn't be late to you. Um, and I started to write. Um, I, I'm a compulsive reader and writer. <laughs> and I just kind of wrote a memory. And it was about my early experience with religion. And what I wrote was, I was assigned to read a chapter in the Alcoholics Anonymous text called We Agnostics, and I skipped it because I didn't know what an agnostic was. I thought it meant atheist, and I had a very, very strong religious Catholic education, and my family were very religious, and my father used to go to the Benedictine Monastery in Minnesota. And when he would come home, he would bring big loaves of fresh bread made by the monks at St. John's Abbey. He would bring it home to us. And what that brought to mind as I was writing this morning was the rituals and the holidays and the festivals and the music and the flowers and the candles. And what a good early start it was to go with my parents at dawn on Christmas morning in 1933. And there I am standing on the floor between wet woolen coats in the dark 
and I hear the sweet, high-toned tinkle of a silvery bell up there on the stage. And I'm in the dark between these two wet woolen coats, and I tug on my father's sleeve. What's that, Daddy? And I'm lifted up and set astride his my father's shoulders. And I can see all the color and smell the strange perfume of frankincense in the presence of family, winter, and that remarkable scene. Now that is a very early childhood memory of religion. And I am not opposed to religion in any way, shape, or form. I think it's a very interesting way to shape spirituality as an individual. One of the most revealing experiences I had during my education after I began the recovery road was a trip to the or to um, Bali, Indonesia, and to a temple ceremony. I can't begin to describe it, but it was one thing that struck me was that the priest had all of the people at the ceremony line up in a row and following him was a little boy with a tray with a cup of water and some fresh flowers and a little bowl of rice. And this priest walked along the row of people and he took the bunch of flowers from the cup of water, sprinkled it on your face, picked up little bit of rice, put some on your forehead, on each cheek, and on your chin. Hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, grain and drink. Mm-hmm. It's like going to communion. <laughs> and it broadened my thinking about religious rituals so that I cannot confine myself to one particular religious discipline. But my spirituality is nourished by beauty, by friendship, by nature, and by my relationships with the people who do respect and appreciate me and who are honest with me and who are safe. Mm -hmm. What's a safe person, Pat? A safe person is somebody who doesn't judge me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk some more about how relationships are such a key part of spirituality. Because they sure are. How does that work? Well, um, you know, there is a, there is a, a place in the Bible, um, I think it's in the Old Testament, actually, um, where there's, a, there's a, a myth. And the myth is about the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and, and God tells Adam and Eve, you can have Everything you want, you can have. Every, this is your place. You can live here. You can be happy here. It's beautiful. There's only one thing you cannot do, and that is don't eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. That is the tree, uh, the fruit that bears the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is forbidden. In other words, It's my job to judge, not yours. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, many centuries later, I guess, after the creation, according to the myth, Jesus said, judge not that ye be not judged. And so respect is, no matter how different from me you are, I do not know until you tell me who you are. And whoever you are, you're a human being with a spirit, a soul, 
And when you go to a 12-step meeting, you also have an ego, and I can see it. (laughs) 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 There's humor there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the difference between religion and spirituality for me is that spirituality is much larger. Mm -hmm. Much more inclusive. And it has to do with with how we love, what we do, and what we, how we appreciate the creation. Mm-hmm. I have a daughter who is very involved with environmental work, and I just love it when she tells me stories about the things that she does with the group that she works with. And I, when I was in Ireland working, I was amazed by the beauty of the of the country there. I I I would walk every day and I would think if heaven is a place, this is what it looks like. Now, my Irish mother was very much like some of the people that I met in the treatment program that I was working in there. I was supervising trainees And my mother was orphaned as a very young person, and she lived in a family uh, of relatives that were, uh, they used her as a servant, really. And so she she had a lot of, oh, I don't know what to call it, but... There was a lot of negativity in the environment that she lived in, and that's what I saw quite a bit in Ireland. Not in the country itself, but among the people that were addicted and in the treatment center. I heard story after story after story of people who felt judged and condemned by the people around them. And that really cuts off the connection to the spirit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at the 12 steps, you see that it doesn't say anything in any of the steps. It says nothing about a higher power, which was mm-hmm. helpful to me because I learned about God who was a big old man with a gray beard up there behind that huge cloud who had a secretary who kept track of every thought I had, even when I got pissed off and talked back to my parents. (laughs) And it only says a power greater than myself. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I learned was that God works through people. Mm -hmm. We are all his creatures, and God works through animals and trees and flowers and rocks, the whole creation. So how does the, how did the 12 steps get started in terms of this incorporation of spirituality? What's, how does that work? What's spiritual about them in a sense? And you just said, of course, they refer to a power greater well, than yourself. Spirituality has, has something to do with the soul, all right? And a long time ago when I was studying Jungian psychology, I had... I, I remember reading something that Carl Jung, who was very involved in influencing the foundations of recovery, uh, mo- a lot of people know that, uh, one of the early members um, went all the way to Europe several times <laughs> to try to get help from Carl Jung with his drinking problem. And Carl Jung, in his writings, seems to be saying that women have a masculine soul, and men have a feminine soul. And the culture that we live in does not allow men to get in touch with their feminine side. And most men identify that as feelings. And women have a soul that is strong and healthy, but... In my, in my youth, I was trained to be helpless and dependent on men. 
And my soul has been revealed to me through the spirituality of the program as strong, mm-hmm. capable. And so I think we discover the virtues we thought were lacking when we get in touch with our, our own spirit. So it's like that wholeness kind of like coming in touch with your your deeper self that really makes that difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. My insides insides and my outsides have to match. (laughs) Yes, they do. Well, hold on to that. It's time for our second break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about that because that's a big deal. The matching the insides and the outside. Um, Our topic today is the power of spirituality. My guest is Pat McGuire, who has just been wonderful. Her every bit of work she does, and uh, personally and professionally, is grounded in spirituality. You can learn more about her work at www.treatmentandrecoverysystems.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. As we examine what it means to be sacred activists in service of compassion and justice, we may find ourselves asking, how do we become a sacred activist? Institute for Sacred Activism founder Andrew Harvey says, Follow your heartbreak. His advice echoes Gandhi, who once said, Whenever you are in doubt, apply the following test. Recall the face of the poorest and the weakest person whom you may have seen, and ask yourself if the step you contemplate is going to be of any use to them. Will they gain anything by it? Will it restore them to a control over their own life and destiny? So, whenever in doubt about the direction of your life, just ask yourself, what breaks my heart? Whose suffering is simply too much to bear? And then commit your life to alleviate it. Don't turn your face away from the pain and injustice that is so prevalent in our world. Courageously bear witness to it, and in prayer, dedicate your life to healing it. Gain more spiritual insight. Listen to Radical Spirituality and Sacred Activism with Adam Bucko, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And our topic today is the power of spirituality, and my guest is Pat McGuire. Pat has been working nationally and internationally in as a professional in the recovery field since the 1970s. And Pat is also a person in long-term recovery. So, Pat, you told me on the break that you have uh, been in recovery for 44 years. So what's 
what's that like to be a woman in recovery for 44 years? And how does how's well, your one, one of that? the things that happens is that the newer people are awed by that, which is great fun for me because <laughs> I can play the part of a guru, which I am not. And one of the things that happens, you know, there's a lot of storytelling in the recovery community. And one of the things that happens is I get asked to tell my story. And and one of the things that I always say is you cannot have 44 years of recovery without becoming 44 years older. (laughs) And that's a a new thing. It's, It's really new. Being old, when you get old, you'll find that out. You'll say, how did I get here? My gosh, you know? Mm-hmm. But wisdom is uh, is an attribute that is laid upon you by, by younger people. And I think one of the things that helps me a lot is that I don't have to spend all my time with people my age. I have a lot of people in my life who are young and vibrant and happy and smart and interested. And they're working and they're growing and they're alive. They're one of the things that makes, that makes a difference, I think, in the spirituality of recovery is the liveliness, the enthusiasm. You know, that word enthusiasm has something to do with the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I think that one of the things that, that uh, was a strength of mine in the beginning was working with women. And, um, it, you know, the, their, the assumption of the people I worked with was that I knew what it was like to be an alcoholic woman. But... And so that made it easy for me, and that helped me to help women whose whose addiction had driven them to um, very, very dangerous, self-defeating behaviors like bulimia and anorexia and uh, suicide attempts and all kinds of acting out of fears and bad feelings. And I could empathize with that. When I was in Ireland, the majority of the clients that I worked with were men. And they, as is sort of typical of the image of the man, the strong one, they don't acknowledge emotions. They are not trained by their families or by the education system to be in touch with their emotions. And I think the spirit and the ego are at war with each other if they don't speak to each other. And that seems to be what happens for a lot of men. So the spirituality for me is manifest in in the arts. Mm-hmm. And I can see that men come to their spirituality through creativity. And there are, goodness knows, in our world today, there are enough challenges for everyone to become creative. Yes. So when you worked with men, uh, clients there in Ireland, did you have some ways to help them be creative, to get them talking well, their spirit and their emotions? Yes. They're, they're, I, I asked them about the things they do. And uh, a lot of them, I was in a county in Ireland that was uh, very rural, I used to write home and tell people that I was in the uh, Appalachia of Ireland. <laughs> and um, they're, they're, the men who, who have the, the vocation of farming walk the land. And I see that as a form of appreciation prayer. 
because they, they talk about that. They say, I have to go walk my land. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means to them. What it means to me is they're appreciating what they have created in their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all it takes is someone to tell them that that's what they're doing. And they go, hmm, wow. Never thought about that. Mm-hmm. So that's back to the relationships, making that human connection helps us wake up, it sounds like. Absolutely. Storytelling is storytelling is second nature to the Irish. Mm-hmm. And storytelling is not second nature to an American addict until they learn to share and not lose by doing so. Right. And that's such a big part of the recovery process is sitting in circles and telling your stories, isn't it? That is. That is. Yeah. And the stories are not all of our triumphs and our successes. Sometimes they're stories of goof-ups, and there's a lot of laughter in that community, a lot mm-hmm. of it. Yes. Yeah. Part of Get, recovery is not taking yourself too seriously. That's right. Puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Puts your life in perspective. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, Pat, you also worked with families and family systems. And, and what what did you do with families that helped them to recover or to understand addiction? Or how did you work with families? Mainly you let them talk and you encourage them to talk. And you don't judge, and you don't criticize, and you just um, appreciate, but you show your appreciation. Some, <laughs> some people are, there's a lot of suffering still there. And uh, I think I don't want to go any further down that path because of things that are still going on today, but... Uh, you know who gets the most respect in the small village? Who's that? Not the priest. The priest's mother. Huh. Why is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just part of the culture. In Ireland, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if right. my son is a priest, that's my ticket to heaven. Uh-huh. Right. So, like you said, it sounds like with families, what helps is to remind them uh, to appreciate each other. And sometimes it takes somebody from the outside, doesn't it, to appreciate people? It's a, it does indeed. It does indeed uh-huh. because there's a lot of shame. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, when they are open and free and honest and they are not shamed, it's a, it's a whole new world for them. Right. You know, and that makes me think of what you were talking about earlier about the insides matching the outsides. That's right. That really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. Share with us a, a, a boy that, that you've seen that work for a client or maybe you've done it in your own life, how, you, how the inside and the outside can match. I'm sorry. Um, you have to ask me that question again. I didn't quite hear you. Oh, that's okay. How can tell us more about that? How can how does the inside match the outside? Is it about being honest with your feelings, or how does it's, that work? It's a, it's about it's about um, not judging yourself and censoring yourself mm-hmm. when you're communicating with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if all else fails, don't talk at all. <laughs> Yeah, why is that? Why why can not talking at all be useful? Well, you begin to be um, um, one of the things that happens with getting in touch with feelings is the development of empathy, and you become better at knowing what's going on with a person and not judging and speaking or acting about it, but just allowance to be, just Uh allowing them to be. Right. Like you don't have to fix them. 
No, 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 heavens no. Uh-huh. Because underlying rule is you are okay just the way you are now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that opens up so much space. When, it does when we, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it gives people that opportunity to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, our time is, and have is just. Fun. Yes, that's right. That's the main thing, isn't it? To have that joy, to enjoy the life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We our time is up, Pat. Do you have one last word of uh, that you'd like to share with us? Anything you'd like us to take home with us, especially from our conversation today? Well, I'll tell you what just popped into my head. One last thing to share. Okay. One of the kindest pieces of advice that made me laugh when I got it from my sponsor way back early was something she said to me that was, uh, it was a sort of a license to be who I really am. And she said to me, remember now, strive to be ordinary. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What a gift. What a gift. Pat, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today and thank you for the work that you've done over the years for recovering people and that you're still doing. And uh, I just really appreciate all that you've shared with us today. Thank you for your generosity. Well, it's been fun. Yeah, good. My guest is Pat McGuire. You can read more about her work at www.treatmentandrecoverysystems.com. So uh, thank you all for listening with us today. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week with Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, 
relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.